What is that? Yeah, what do you think? Poof. It's a fucking tool. No, it's not. It's a fucking rolling pin. Who are you? Fanny Craddock? Who are you do with that? You're gonna bake me a cake? You're gonna sing me a song watch me blow out my fucking candles? I come here for a fucking shootout, right? A proper shootout with some proper men. Like Colonel Custer and Geronimo. Have you ever heard of them? No. Because you were too busy in your penny baking fucking fairy cakes, weren't you? Which, this lot of fucking nonsense to a man. They're fucking nonsense. Get out of your fucking way. Go on, get up. Go on, fuck off. Call yourself a fucking gangster. Shootout, right? It's a fucking shootout! Like a western. Ten, nine, eight, seven, six, five, four. Now you're gonna pull those pistols and whistle Dixie. Hello and welcome to another top 10 episode from the Holmes Movies podcast team. My name is Anders Holmes and I am joined by my right-hand man, Adam Holmes. And my I'm on the team. We're on, we're, on the, we're on the team, bro. Yeah. yeah, yeah what's this team? team? Yeah. What's this, what's this team, bollocks? I don't know. I thought because like shoots out, just very corporate, isn't it? It's like oh, the Holmes movies team brings yeah. you the top ten of something. Um, yeah. So yeah, last time we did um, we did an episode about train films, which um, yeah. was surprisingly well received by some people. People like lists. This is the thing. People love lists, even though even though lists are bullshit. People love lists. I love lists. I can't resist reading. Lists, you know, the Guardian does this thing where like the 30 best uh, uh, talking head songs ranked or like the 30 best um, films about, uh, you know, sand. I don't know. Like they, they have, you know, and I read them every single time. It's so irresistible, irresistible. It's just like you are drawn into the countdown, you know, and then you're like, that's bullshit. That should be number one. And, you know, it's amazing because lists are bullshit. It, the lists are bullshit. And a few Guardian articles I've seen thrown around on the internet, some of them are also a little bit like, really? You think that film is bad? Oh, they have some okay reviewers on there, like Peter Bradshaw, but um, they also sometimes give five-star reviews like really fast to films that definitely don't deserve it. But um, yeah, they've got good music people though. Anyway, that's not what we're here to talk about. The, um, yeah. So this this episode we are but, 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 but you see now we're back on Zoom. This is really hard. So you're gonna have to yeah. Did I cut you off? I didn't mean to. No, I I I don't know what happened. Just look, we're on Zoom, listeners. Distance. Yeah. It's a pandemic. Bear with us. Anyway, what are we talking about? I'll shut up. Um. So the uh, the the top our top ten list uh, for this episode is going to be our top ten favorite shootouts. Shootouts. Shoot I came here for a shootout. I'll come here for a fucking shootout. Right, like a Western. Men. <laughs> shootout, it's a shootout. Like a Western. And you, was he, you got there, a rolling pin? Or whatever. Oh, you're going to bake me a cake. <laughs> I love his, his accent and that. Wait, anyway. Wasted time. <laughs> we are not talking about the film Legend. Why is that film called Legend, by the way? Um... No, that's a terrible, terrible title for that film. It's a very misleading title. Okay, film, but very misleading title. Yeah, it should be called like two twin psychopaths, both played by Tom Hardy. Anyway, um, a bit unwieldy, but um, 
there you go um top 10 shootouts uh we had a lot of trouble um putting this list together because there's a lot of shootouts in the films that we like yeah I mean, to be fair this was it was very very i mean we were just before we started recording it was very very difficult to sort of put together a good list of like our top tens because we were thinking oh no we need to put this film in there i was like oh no but i really want that film and like oh we'll just put it in as an honorable mention or something like that there's going to be a lot of honorable mentions we could have done a top 50 on this one the problem um we have also found is that predictably the shootout is a thing that happens often in american cinema um <laughs> often in american news actually but anyway in, in the cinema of america and more specifically in in the western so there's good this is this list is going to be heavy on on westerns um but we were a couple of like ground rules i think a shootout is not a showdown right so it's not henry fonda and charles bronson at the end of once upon a time in the west it's not yeah. the the end of the good the bad and the ugly um it's you've got to involve like three more than like five people need to be involved i think in a yeah and i think it has to go on for a long period of time and also we have well, well except except we there's actually some exceptions in this list but we can get to that but generally speaking a shootout is sort of it's like it's a coming together it's a it's a it's a gun battle yes um not a showdown not a fast draw yeah. uh it's also oh, not it's oh. all oh but sorry oh. what were you gonna say I was just going to say, also, we haven't put any war films on this list. They don't. Oh, I was going to mention that. Yeah. Yeah. Because. No, no war films, because that's not shootout. It's a battle. Yeah. And uh, that, yeah, that belongs in another category. We could probably do top 10 war films at some point. I don't know. Well, yeah, we'll figure something. Top 10 uh, men on a mission films. I mean, we could do that as well. You know. Um, but we're not here to talk about what other top 10s we're doing. We're not going to talk. At one point, we should do the top 10, top 10 episodes. Um, yeah. But, um, <laughs> We haven't even done 10 of them yet. Um, so, uh, but yeah, so let's, why don't we just launch into talking about Stuttgart? Yeah, so at number 10 uh, is the Andrew McLaglan Western with John Wayne. Uh, did he do a lot of Westerns with John Wayne? Yeah, Andrew McLaglan directed, uh, McLaglan directed a bunch of, um, Andrew V. McLaglan directed a bunch of mediocre Westerns in the 60s and 70s, uh, including... Um, yeah, a couple with John Wayne. Um, it, it was a was a childhood favorite of ours, and so it's on the list because it's our list, and we get to decide what goes on it. Uh, but no one would probably be expecting us to say that at number ten is the final shootout from the film Chisholm. Chisholm, John Chisholm. You have to be very careful about how you say the title of this film. Yeah, you do. Chisholm. Yeah. Not yeah. the other thing. It sounds. Um, like, yeah, it sounds like the J word. Yeah. So <laughs> Chisholm. C. H I S U M uh, yeah. is John, a John Chisholm. Yes, weary, saddle worn, as the song goes. Um, it's a it's a very very loose uh, retelling of the true story of the Lincoln County War. It's a late career John Wayne movie. He's a little bit um, you know um, fat and 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 uh, uh, and unathletic in this one. It's fair to say, um, but I think it's an incredibly fun uh, film um, yeah. and. And really a, a classic um, Western in the true sense. And it has a, um, a, a great cast of uh, Western character actors and then just some like really mediocre, um, like young stars who cannot act to save their life. And one of those is the guy who plays- There's a very boring love story in this yeah. movie. Yeah, between, between Chisholm's 
uh, niece and Billy the Kid. I mean, and this is not the bit, this is not the Chris Christopherson Billy the Kid. This is like, this is some like lame, um, you know, you know, completely um, um, whitewashed um, fairy tale version of um, of Billy the Kid. Um, yeah, and I'm even trying. I'm trying to find out who played. Oh, he's played by a guy called Jeffrey D- Duell, who is in this film and a film called Terminal Island, um, but not very much else. It says here. Anyway, uh, um, it sounds something. It sounds like something I would know, but I don't. No. Anyway, um, so so Chisholm, it's yeah, it's 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 a western. But the final scene, I think the final scene is the final shootout is great because what you get is you get two sides of a street. One of it is filled with lawmen, and the other and the other is a, a building filled with outlaws, and they're shooting at each other for ages. It's a very long sequence, like, and also at one point someone says, "Burn them out" and things like that. Yeah, there's fire. There's, there's um, cows, like cows get running. Yeah, they stampede cows through the street. Um, it's 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 baroque. It has everything, and it, and then it sort of devolves into like a running street battle. And there's it's like the final denouement of the film, and everything gets tied up in a nice uh, in a nice bundle. Yeah, that's true. It's good fun. Film. I I, it's, I would like to watch it again. It's been like ages since I've seen it. Well, we should uh, we'll do a we'll do a viewing together at some point. Yeah. Well, yeah, maybe so. we could do one of those live watch-alongs. Anyway, look, that, that's that's another matter for another day. Number ten, Chisholm. What's at number nine? Number nine is the Peter Weir film *Witness* with Harrison Ford, the only film where he was nominated for Best Actor at the Oscars. Yeah, where he plays um, Book. John Book. Book John Book. <laughs> um, so, right. Okay. So, so this is a bit of an exception because um, the shoot, the shootout in this film uh, is actually a shootout that happens between two people. So it is more of a like showdown, except it's not a showdown because it's um, what we'll, we'll describe we it. Little, like, should we give a little context to the scene? Yeah, 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 yeah. So basically, for those of you who haven't seen the film, uh, the movie is about a, an Amish boy played by Lucas Haas who goes with his mother, Kelly McGillis, to, they live on an, you know, in the Amish communities outside of, in Pennsylvania, in Pennsylvania, sorry. And they go to Philadelphia and they're waiting. <laughs> he at a invited t- me to his haunted house in Pennsylvania. <laughs> and they're in the train station in Philadelphia and the boy says to his mom, I need to use the bathroom. So he goes to the bathroom and the only person in the bathroom is a guy who looks like a junkie. Oh, Andy, Jesus Christ. Are you recounting the whole film? Okay, can I just tell this in five minutes? Okay, Kid, witnesses murder, station. He's taken into police custody. Policeman, Harrison Ford. Kid realizes that the person who did the murder is another policeman. Harrison Ford is concerned. What happens then? He's in a parking garage and who should he see but... The bad police officer played by Danny Glover. Who, Danny Glover, who is not too old for this shit in this film. He is a young, handsome, strapping Danny Glover. And um, he tries to kill our hero. And, yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's basically like someone had tipped off Danny Glover that he was coming after him. And they're in like a parking lot and uh, Harrison Ford is waiting at an elevator. So it's quite a tense environment. And also it's made even more tense when two, an old couple come out of the elevator and Harrison Ford tries to push them back in just to get them out of harm's way. So it's kind of a comedic scene and also quite tense as well. Like both genres, I mean, tones work really well. Right. Well, I think I think the reason why this is in there is it really feels like a kind of 
you know, it's like so often in these films, like the shootouts are incredibly staged and they bring, like there's a sort of final end to it. Like one of the characters doesn't walk out alive. In this one, both characters get away. Harrison Ford is wounded. Um, and that wounding is the sort of the catalyst for the rest of the film because he has to go and hide out and be patched up by the Amish people. And, um, but it's also like the way in which it sort of, it happens that the tension is incredibly wonderful and the way you feel like he's been cornered. Mm. Um, but it also, it happens in this very chaotic way. It's very, very fast. It's very loud. The, the sound design with the gunshots is just so, I think it's just so good. And there's, and, no, um, music, and there's no music in the scene as well. So it adds right. a sense of realism to it. So it does feel a bit like a shootout from a 70s movie, like a, you know, one of those movies that came out in that period, like a Serpico or something like that. Right, right, right. Yeah, it has that. But then, and then you have those pain in the ass um old people, people who just sort of happen in and it's brilliant because the woman is like that's our car and she they literally they close the elevator doors to try and get away from the shooter and then she reopens them to sort of like protest that this is happening in front of her car and then you get one of the great harrison ford like get back kind of like shouts and then but i think the the best, uh, the best thing about the whole thing is at the end of the shootout as danny glover is driving away we get another immortal harrison ford quote which is I know who you are, asshole. Exactly. So, um, so I think that for for all those reasons, the the parking lot gun battle between Danny Glover and Harrison Ford from the film Witness deserves to be on this list. Yeah. Anyway, uh, let's let's move on to number eight. Also, I will say this about Witness it is one of the. You're actually doing a Harrison Ford right now. You're like, I yeah. will say this about Witness. Big <laughs> finger. Yeah. Uh, it's the. Um... It, the screenplay, I think, was also nominated for an Oscar, but I think it's one of those screenplays they actually teach in film school because they say, oh, this is a perfect screenplay, so you should learn from this. So It is It is very good. Um, yeah. but, but look, we're that, not here that, to talk about the screen. We're not here to talk about the screenplay from Witness Anders. We're here to talk about shootouts. I came here for a fucking shootout. So at number eight is something a little bit more recent, is the film directed, written and directed by Taylor Sheridan. This was his uh, directorial debut. It stars Jeremy Renner and Elizabeth Olsen, and it is the 2018 film Wind River. Which is a fantastic film, it a has to be said. And it, I saw it for the first time earlier this year, and it is a film that has very much stuck with me. Like, I yeah. haven't been able to shake that film off because A, given the sort of intense, intensity of it, but also B, its subject matter, which is still really, really current and still happening in America today. Yeah, it's it's really a, a film that, um, it, you know, it shines an important light on a, um, on a very uh, distressing subject, which is um, the uh, sexual violence against um, indigenous women on reservations um and this sort of unsolved murders of many of these young women it also i think like speaks to this sort of violence that's inherent in american culture right now and how well armed and on edge everyone is at all times which really made an impression on me when i watched it and made me think a lot about kind of the context that we're living in but yeah it's it's, it's a phenomenal movie but anyway the shootout the shootout at the end is brilliant because it is it's super tense. It's heartbreaking. It's completely like terrible that it happens. Um, but it's also like it's confusing. It's dirty. It's fast. It's brutal. Yeah. Um, it 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 feel again. It's that has that realism. Except you know, it's so much. It's like it's it, it. You genuinely have. You feel like you have like a touch of PTSD after you watch that. I mean, it it it's so like full on. You know. Yeah, it's a very like. I mean, the film is a very sort of. 
emotionally draining movie and I think you do feel a little bit like Elizabeth Olsen's character at the end of the movie when she's lying in the hospital bed and um, it's sort of like a coming of age moment for her in regards to the way that some people are and like you said it does have a lot to say about America in regards to violence and having to deal with certain things and you know Graham Greene who plays a a, a police officer in the uh, on the reservation he has a great line in the film when she says we need backup to him and then he says this isn't the land of backup this is the land of you're on your own he's he's a wonderful actor and he and, and it's and um yeah i mean just everything he elevates everything he's in um but um yeah i mean the the the, the film um yeah the whole film is astonishing the shootout is just one of the many things that stays with you. So if you haven't seen Wind River, you definitely should watch it. And it's like readily, readily available. But everything building up to the shootout is really good because it starts off as a standoff in like sort of like a Mexican standoff at one point and then everything sort of calms down and then boom, the shots fired. And then it's like, everyone's just firing at each other. And it's really kind yeah, of like- well, don't, don't, don't give too much away, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's very- Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. yeah. Just, you know. Spoily, spoily Magoo there. Um, yeah, so, um, yeah, uh, watch Wind River, watch Wind River, uh, because it's very good. Uh, and the shootout's very good. And Anna's is not going to spoil it anymore. Number yeah. seven. Uh, so, yes, at number seven is the sort of, I don't know, the, the our generation's big sci fi action weird movie. And I remember this watching this movie clearly for the first time and just being like completely flabbergasted by it and being like, what is going on? What the hell is this movie about? And that film at number seven is the Wachowskis' great action classic, The Matrix. I watched this again recently. I mean, it is such a time capsule. It really is like, it is so 1999. Like it hurts, and I love that. But it's also like it is so such a like teenager philosophy movie. You know, it's just like whoa, what if like you can unlock your mind and you realize that like you're living in a fake world? And then the script is just like hilarious. It's, it's so, great. It's a really good. No, script. it's a terrible script. I mean, it's, it's not a terrible script, but it's like the writing is such a like. It feels like it was written by a bunch of sixteen-year-olds. Like it really is like. It's a really um, like intelligent script. It's like it's, not, it's a silly it action. It's a silly action movie full yeah, of like hey, fake, hey, hey, fake it, philosophy. The whole story, like in the scope of it, it is very well put together. Like the world yes. building, the, the the rules and the mythos of everything. It's really well developed. So you have to like take it. Yeah, say what you will about the dialogue, but like. All the sort of machinations and machinations or whatever like the sort of mechanics of the scripts is really good and i think all the work they sort of put into it is pretty amazing yeah no the um while it is it is it's it incredibly uh silly some of the dialogue and incredibly like cliched but you know at the time as well you have to remember that this was this was very very new and you're right i mean the 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 the, the, the way it all pans out in terms of the um you know the discoveries the the as you say the rules of the world is um is really well done really well handled and and something that actually they completely fucked up in the sequel i didn't even watch the third one but the sequel the sequel's interesting because what they do is they keep all the shitty dialogue (laughs) they get rid of all the stuff that made the first one good um but anyway look 
we're not here to talk <laughs> about the I mean, we're not here to talk about the matrix uh, but we are here to talk about the shootout in the matrix but also you have to admit like the, the wachowskis like they had a pretty like oh. they started off as screenwriters they had they had already directed one movie before which was bound the uh, lesbian neo-noir film and then they mm -hmm. did this afterwards so like kind of amazing they went from that and then they just did this big action film and then I think they had a big, huge gap, but they didn't do anything. They probably were like writing a bunch of stuff. And then they did Matrix Reloaded, Revolutions, which is <laughs> crazy. And then Speed Racer and then Cloud Atlas. And now the Matrix Resurrection, I think that's what it's called. Yeah, the re re res Resurrection, yeah. Which only, um, which only Lana, Lana Wachowski is directing. Well, okay, fine. Look, are we going to talk about the shootout in the Matrix, or are we not going to talk about the shootout? Are, okay, yes. Okay, so there's a bunch of action sequences in, sequences in the shoot in the in the shoot in the in the film, but uh, it's the hallway scene when they go into the building and he opens up his jacket and it's all the guns and him and Trinity are just like just firing guns at everybody and like kung fuing all over the place and and just twirling and you got the techno soundtrack in the background. It is great. I mean, it, it is such, and as I say, the, the soundtrack, that sort of tinny techno, the the shitty, the, those like those skinny sunglasses that they're wearing, the the, the latexy leather, it is so, it is, it's so 1999. It's so like that era of like, like millennium. Um, it, 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 I don't know what it is, but the aesthetic is so recognizable now that there's a bit of distance from it. And, um, yeah, it's just it's it really just takes it. Like, it was so funny watching it. It was complete time travel for me, um, and um, and yeah, and it, it and I think this scene is one of many scenes in the Matrix that completely rewrote the rules of um, how you stage movie action scenes. I mean, I don't think that's an overstatement, is it? Yeah, but I also think the way that they kind of use practical effects and also visual effects had gotten really developed to that point that they used them really well. And I think even after the Matrix, people were still kind of trying to get the grips of it but it took like a few years before people actually really got the hang of it yeah and i think there was there's a lot of really bad imitations but this this is um this is wonderful and i think it owes a huge debt to um asian cinema uh yeah. specifically like right john hong Wu. kong am i right in thinking like it's, it's yeah mainly like, like hong kong action stuff like john Woo's movies uh, like i think like that whole sequence is basically you know john Woo could have easily directed something like that and you know would have made it would have been completely operatic like most of his movies are but yeah and also like kubrick as well i guess you could kind of like have like sort of the philosophical cerebral aspect of it and things like that let's stay away from the uh, word cerebral and the matrix um and possibly philosophical as well um the um it one thing that i will say is interesting and kind of stuck and struck a chord with me is watching it again in the era of like mass shootings and um and the kind of vigilantism which like or like psychopathic like attacks it's very interesting that you do you see this film and then you think about the way in which like the world of like internet-based conspiracy peddling and that ultimately leads to sort of violence works. And you can see how it would be possible to view this film through that lens of like, you have a small group of true believers who are very well armed and who exist in a very, who, have, who are very technically literate. It was like, this is a, it was like some weird parallels there, you know, I'm not saying like the matrix caused anything, you know, this is not, but it's, I think there's a prescience in the matrix. There's a, like an understanding of 
the possibilities of the internet or the virtual world. And, um, and you know, that I will give it credit for. Um, and I think that's one of the reasons why I'm looking forward actually to seeing what they can do with the reboot, because this, this is a, this is a very topical, um, um, idea. Um, it was very topical then it's even more topical now, but it's just, it struck this kind of like yeah. ominous code with me, a chord with me where I was like, Oh, like you could, if you're a certain kind of person, watch this film and be like, view, you could be watching it in a, in a completely different way. And it's like, everyone has their own, you know, version of the matrix or whatever, you know, everyone can make up their own uh, reality based on um, the internet. And that's what we see with people's like highly siloed existences on Twitter or whatever. So yeah, so I just thought that was, you know, talk about cerebral. That was my takeaway from, uh, from the matrix, but, the, but you know, the, the whole, the whole last part of the film is basically a shootout, right? I mean, and it's, or, or, or like a, shootout, a kind of scenes, chases, Lot of yeah, I mean that's so, um, thing. I mean from what you just said, I mean that's kind of the beauty of the film. It's just that it's so timeless, even though it has it is a bit of like a time capsule into the nineties and that kind of cinema. That sort of cinema. It's definitely, it's definitely not timeless. Uh, it uh, is it's sort of timeless. I mean, it looks. It's, it's, a, it's a classic of its type. Let's agree on that. Can we now move on, please? Fine. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so at number six is another Western from 2003 and is directed by Kevin Costner and stars Kevin Costner. And also, uh, I think he's, I mean, would you say he's like the lead or co-lead or? I, yeah, it's, it's, it, I would say, yeah, that's, it's a co-lead situation. It's, um, yeah, yeah. he's, he, he, he's, Robert Duvall being the, the, the other, the, the other, I mean, I really, I, I do think in many ways this film, uh, which is open range, by the way, uh, is a is a bit of a love letter to Robert Duvall and uh, I don't know why I just called him Robert Duvall, um, but wow. Robert Duvall. Uh, it, it's and um, and I don't think I don't think there are many films um, that really sort of give Duvall this kind of like you know. A moment in the sun and it's a shame in some ways that he wasn't given more um uh awards because uh, um mercies he won an oscar for that yeah no just i mean for this one in particular like because he's just so good in it and the film just lets him be noble and marvelous but anyway um there is an absolutely crackerjack shootout at the end of it yeah between some corrupt land barons led by uh michael gambon yeah of all people great to see him in a western it's always great to see like out of, seemingly out of place British actors in Westerns. Um, sometimes it works like Michael Gambon and sometimes it's just really fucking jarring like John Cleese in Silverado. Um, but it just seems completely out of place. Um, What's but, all this then? Yeah, just battle <laughs> for the mega sheriff. We just talked at the same time, so I have no yeah, idea what yeah, you just yeah. said. I said once <laughs> open. Oh, right. Okay, great. It's like, it's like the way he talks, like, oh, what's all this then? It's like a scene out of Monster Python. I would love it if the entire, if his whole posse was just made up of um, yeah, Monster Python. <laughs> you're getting away. Run away, run away. Oh, what's that then? That's <laughs> Danny Glover. Um, anyway, no, but th this, is, this is weird now. Um, back to... Western. I think they missed out. <laughs> Back to uh, back to open range and um, yeah. so, oh God, sorry if they did the coconuts and they're riding away. <laughs> okay, stop, 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 stop. Open range, open range. 
the, 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 the thing about this shootout is that they were basically like, right, we're making a classic Western. It's like, this is a, it's a beautiful, like Kevin Costner, I think really sees, he's very, I think he's a very sentimental filmmaker. And I think he sees himself as some kind of like guardian of like old, the spiritual values that have been passed down from the era of like James Stewart and Gary Cooper. Yeah. And, um, and he makes what I think is somewhere between an Anthony Mann and a Howard Hawks movie, you know, like it's a, it, it has all the, the sort of the beauty and the darkness of an Anthony Mann Western and all that sort of hangout coziness of a Howard Hawks Western. And, yeah. um, and so I think he's cognizant of all this. And so at the end of the film, he decides that he's going to completely kind of change the way we look at shootouts in Western movies. And that means um, it's kind of, it's less uh, organized, it's more sloppy, you, you know, they, they keep missing each other because the guns are already inaccurate. And, um, uh, you know, and it, and it's, um, it's scary in some ways, you know, it's like, it's, 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 it feels by the, you know, by the, the film is decent, the film is a decent runtime and it's quite, it goes at quite a stately pace. And then when the shootout starts to happen, it's just like, oh, fuck, you know, this is, um, yeah. I think it this does. Really the, the film carries on for a little bit after that, but like, I think it does take up like a good fifteen-minute chunk of the film, like because it carries on. Not they meet each other in the street, and then the shots start happening, and then it kind of, then it sort of filters out into the rest of the town, and then the town starts, you know, gathering guns and going against Michael Gambon's people. Yeah, which there's 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 also something sort of vaguely sinister in that, and that, and I don't know to what extent he intended it but i think you can look at this as a kind of study of american violence and violent tendencies and that way you know in which there's a sort of pride almost over here in how um you know in how kind of violent and well-armed the, the populace can be at certain times and yeah. it's uh, it's very strange it's hard to explain to non-americans and people who don't know the culture as well but it's it's definitely in there still this sort of like frontier mentality and i think this film whether it intends to or not reveals it really well and i think i for one have some questions about like you know while the film presents the the populace like rising up to help the heroes as something an unimpeachably good it's like is this good you know is it good that people could just like grab shotguns from their houses and join in you know it's like anyway the, the thing about that's also really interesting about the shootout is that they um they really like you really feel the bullets or something like that the the, the, the everyone every time someone gets shot they like they like fly backwards or something and, uh, and it's almost a little bit too much but it definitely makes it stand out yeah uh, you know so um it does have that yeah. my favorite bit is one of the times where like i think one of the characters is behind a wall and some one of the bad guys is like creeping along and then like double barreled shotgun through the wall and the guy just flies like in the air and hits like a house or something it's pretty it's yeah, not, yeah. He, he gets like smacked against the side of a building not like silly as i described it but it's 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 a very sort of like whoa okay you didn't you don't see that in a particular movie you don't see that in a you know typical western movie no you don't um but um i think open range um I think it stands the test of time. I think it's a good Western. Um, and yeah. un okay. Unusual being a 21st century Western. There are very few of those. Yeah, no. Make more Westerns. I demand Westerns. Yes, we would like that. Thank you very much. Uh, okay, so we're, well, we're halfway Jane, through. Jane Campion has her Western coming out on Netflix. What? Okay, hang on. What's, what's this? It's uh, with uh, Benedict Cumberbatch. It's uh, Jane Campion who did uh, The Piano. I don't know who Jane Campion is, but I'm disappointed that Benedict fucking 
Cumbercunt is in it, but whatever. It's um, pretty good. It's got rave reviews in Venice and in uh, Toronto Film Festival. It's supposed to be like amazing. Like a lot of people are like saying like this, she could get best director for this. Maybe. Well, she, I mean, Jane Campion is an extremely good director. Um, yeah. Have you seen The Piano? No. Good film. It's a very, very, very good film. There's another Western coming out as well. Yeah, which it's I... The Harder They Fall, which, is a, which has a primarily Africa, a black, a black cast. Yes, yes. Uh... Which is also on Netflix, and I think it's going to open up the uh, London Film Festival. Mm-hmm. Exciting. Okay. Anyway, more Westerns are coming out. They're listening to us. Okay. Mm. Uh, we're halfway through. So um, I think yeah. it's time to look at some honorable mentions. Yeah. So there were a few people who did sort of comment on some posts, uh, one of whom was uh, on our Twitter page at, at Homes Movies Pod, were the Trope Stormers podcast at Trope Stormers. Mm. Pause for cough. <coughs> Sorry. And he, they, he didn't, I, I, I assume it's Tombstone from 1994 because it's a gif of Val Kilmer throwing off his like coats and holding up a shotgun before the OK Corral shoots out. Yeah, so, so I think if we hadn't put Open Range in there, we would have put Tombstone in there. Uh, Tombstone has some very good shootouts in it, including the, the OK Corral. I'm not really sure why. It's very hard to pick this list. I think if we did this again, we could make a list of 10 completely different films. Um, yeah, Tombstone definitely belongs to be in the conversation. Uh, and we probably um, could have put it in this list. I mean, a lot of questions will probably be circling around the inclusion of Chisholm. But um, fuck it. Lists are bullshit. We want the right to include that. But yeah, that's, that, uh, that is a very worthy, uh, worthy um, uh, inclusion. What, what else? Did anyone else comment on social media? Uh, not on our uh, Twitter page, but on uh, my um, personal one, at Fabricius91. Uh, Peter Albertson. Uh, he commented on my uh, on my list. Uh, the sort of connection I have to him, I, he's a very, very, very nice man. He lives and works in Denmark. He primarily works as a sound designer mm. and has worked on a bunch of films, one of which is a Danish film called Idealisten. I've heard of that. And uh, Vols, uh, Men, the America, uh, Our Man in, in America, which just came out in the cinema last year. With, uh, I've heard of that too. Uh, our mother went to go see it and she said it was really good. Um, he actually went, I think he went to my film school in Abeltoft, European Film College, and he came to do a talk where I was there that year from 2016 to 2017 and talking about sound and film. And um, really, really nice man, very, very intelligent, knows a lot about films, primarily like, particularly with like sound and things like that. So he's a really great guy and I've enjoyed like, when he's, you know, when he's posted something and then saying... So are you saying this man commented on our post? On your yes. post? Yes. Wow. Okay. So what does he yeah. have to say for himself? So he, he didn't give, he didn't give one. He actually gave 10. And he, oh, wow. Okay. Let's... Uh... So he said, here are my, here are 10 of my favorite shootouts from movies, all with pretty spectacular sound, uh, with the winking emoji. So uh, he wrote, he wrote, Heat. Heat. I'm guessing the uh, robbery sequence. I mean, the sound design and the robbery shootout, the post-robbery shootout uh, towards the end of the movie, like it's like the way the bullets sound is pretty, pretty exciting and like striking the, as well. The shootout in Heat is very good, and it nearly made it onto our list. Um, we, uh, I mean, we don't, we can't we we can't make any excuses. Like lists are bullshit, and um, 
I, the, every time someone is revealing a good a film that we didn't put on here is making me feel uh, ashamed but like we, th th there are there are there are you know so many shootouts it is a it is a it is a mainstay but yeah he is he definitely deserves to be on there um and that's a great sequence in a film that we have um mixed feelings about i would say yeah. on this podcast um but yeah. um the i think the smoke and mirrors podcast they sort of comment they they had listened to the episode recently and they said like i mean they they were like you guys have a lot of balls to go after that film in the way you guys did so and they're like, great we had a big ass so number two uh the wild bunch ah well mm, okay uh, yes number three miller's crossing uh oh okay yes yes uh number four the matrix Okay, let's move on before he triggers you again. Um, uh, num number five, no. There is no spoon, Anders. <laughs> Fucking oh. idiots. <laughs> you take the blue pill. Oh, for God's sake! T number four. What does he say? Number four. No, that no. The Matrix was number four. The Matrix. Okay, okay. You told Randall before he told Matrix, me. What? Matrix four coming out in December. Uh, next. Uh, number five, no country for old men. Wait. We Technically, there is a shootout in, in when he's being chased by Anton Chigurh, Josh Brolin's character. Eee, okay, Peter, I've got. I'm going to quibble on this one. I think, yeah, okay, well, it, I guess it's similar to the witness thing. What? Yeah, well, I mean, I guess, it, yeah. like, I mean, it, 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 it technically, like you know, the scene when he's in the hotel room and then the, the key hits him in the face and he fires the shotgun and he goes out and then you know he's in the car with the other guy and the other guy gets shot and then. Really great sound. No, 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 that is true. That's a, okay. That counts. That's at least then, as like, good as he, the witness. He's hiding one. behind a car, and then Anton Chigurh like jumps away, and he shoots him and wounds him and stuff like that. So it's a, it's a mini mini shootout. No, no, no. And it's exactly it's exactly the same as the witness one, actually. So no, I take that back. That in, that deserves inclusion. Um, uh, you know, you know, what's interesting. I think one of the really good shootouts in No Country for Old Men is a shootout that we never see. It's the one where you discover the remains of the shootout afterwards when uh, yeah, when I mean, when Tommy Lee Jones finds uh, Josh Brolin's character. Anyway. Anyway, that's that's yeah, just a hear, side note. You hear, um, you hear some of the, the the gunshots in the background when it's in the car with Tommy Lee Jones when he's driving to that location. Mm. Okay, number six. Number six, the Untouchables, the train station shootout. Yeah. Okay, this is another one that nearly made it on, and um, I just couldn't live with myself including two Kevin Costner movies on the same list. So that that was just like we can't we can't have that much Kevin Costner in one. Um, in one top 10 but no that is that is a really good shootout the, the whole um uh, battleship potemkin reference is very cheeky and very fun um it's a little bit the thing i don't like about it is the overly the the the, the way that slow motion is just overused in that it's it turns um it turns it into a slightly boring sequence on rewatching, I think. Um, and I'd love to see it re-edited with the slow motion taken out, actually, and just be like done really quick and dirty. But whatever. I don't have too much of a problem with the slow motion stuff. But then again, Brian De Palma uses. We're just disagreeing about everything today, aren't we? We should have a fight. Um, but, um, <laughs> or, 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 or a shoot, a shoot at. Um, pistols at dawn. Uh, we, used to, we used to play shootouts quite a lot as kids, actually, making me nostalgic now. Anyway, yeah. uh, what's uh, so, number seven uh, on Peter's after list? After the is Aliens, sci-fi. Uh, hmm. Aliens. The yeah. aliens don't have guns, Peter. Yeah, but... How can you have a shootout? <laughs> People don't have guns. You're just killing aliens. I mean... 
with it, guns. It is a bit of a, well, it's a one-sided shootout, you could say that. Well, that's not a shootout, that's just a, a hunt. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a hunt, it's them fighting. Like, you, don't, you, don't go on a, you don't go to the forest to kill pheasants. No, I just had a shootout with some pheasants. <laughs> It'd be quite funny if you like go hunting and then some pheasants have like got a hold of guns and be like, mm-hmm, payback's a bitch. Um, it, yeah, that, that would be that's quite terrifying actually. Uh, okay, what's his uh, what's his what are we on now? Uh, number eight, Bonnie and Clyde. Yeah, fair yeah. enough. I think that's probably the like the scene when they almost get caught and Gene Hackman is uh, he gets killed and the other the and stop ruining movies for people. <laughs> Jesus Christ, you're like a spoiler minefield. Okay, number nine, Free Fire, which the whole film is a shootout, and it is glorious. It is so good. Wonderful. I've uh, never seen Free Fire. Love it's so, so, it's so much fun. We saw it at Abletoff. They got, it was like a surprise screening, and I was so excited to watch it because I really wanted to see it because... I like Ben Wheatley, the director. He did films like um, Kill List and um, Sightseers, uh, films with very sort of dark sense of humor. And I think this was like his first, like a big American film. Martin Scorsese was an executive producer on it. This has to be our biggest tangent ever. We've literally gone off piste from our top 10 to read out someone else's top 10. And within that top 10, we're going on tangents. This yeah. is mad. Okay, what's the last film? We have to, we have to move on. Okay, you're probably going to disagree with this. Uh, the Good, the Bad and the Ugly. Mm. There's a few um, shootouts. There's quite yeah. a few. There's a, there's actually a really great shootout towards the end of the Good, the Bad, and the Ugly, where they're walking up the street in this like abandoned town, which is very very good. Um, we also had um, for your for your eyes only <laughs> for a few dollars more for a few dollars more um, was on was it was on the provisional list but didn't make the cut. Um, some of the other things we had were Hot Fuzz. Shootout and Hot Fuzz is hilarious um, and done was so it's done, done so well. It's like such a great yeah. um, uh, tribute to 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 those movies. I, I I love the way Edgar Wright does it. The Town is a good shout from you. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it's basically the Boston Heat, um, but it's it's a very good shootout, and you know, Jeremy Renner's really good in that as well. Yeah, um, uh, what was I just about to think of? Um, well, you put Taxi Driver in there. Taxi Driver is a good, um, a good. Ch- I mean, there are so many ones in westerns like Shane. Um, there's also um, come back. Uh, we, um, we love you, Shane. Um, Scarface, of course. Say hello yeah. to my little friend. Um, and then I always think I always think the shootout at the end of. Um, uh, the usual suspects is really interesting. Um, yeah. So, but uh, but it didn't make the cut, uh, unfortunately, because um, I guess we're just we just we're just you know we could we just we're too picky. Yeah, I I I I have some honorable on there. I have some honorable mentions that I would like to put on there as well. I do like the last shootout at the end of Hell or High Water. I think that's a pretty good. Yeah. You know, it's a great sort of modern Western neo neo-western sort of shootout and um a sort of very sort of emotionally powered shootout as well um i like a lot of the sort of gun action in john wick the keanu reeves movie uh the all the john wick movies all the action sequences are so good and um love the sort of world building of that film taxi driver we just mentioned hot fuzz free fire heat shoot 'em up is just a it's right there in the name, isn't it? I mean, shoot, you know. it's such a great film. I will do my best to, to describe this film very sort of quick. So, 
Clive Owen is like some homeless dude who eats carrots because he says, oh, you eat carrots and your eyesight gets better. A pregnant That's actually a myth, uh, Clive. You're wrong. So he, he witnesses a pregnant woman being chased by a man with a gun. He saves the pregnant woman. She gives birth and he's protecting this baby from men led by Paul Giamatti who wants the baby basically for reasons. That gets... It sounds like a fever dream. No, it's a great... It, it, it's, it's a wonderfully <laughs> bad... It has so many good... Okay, you know in License to Kill, you know when he has, like, the gun that only he can use with the handle? Yes, one of my so favourite Bond All Giamatti's men, they all have these little pistols with, like, the, that's only they can use them. There's actually... You know what? This is actually one of... Um... Uh, this is this is a, a a thing that a lot of gun reformers talk about that that should be introduced as standard that all the guns should have like palm print recognition. So um, yeah. perhaps Paul Giamatti is a reformer. Yeah. So and then they it's sort of later in the film where Clive Owen and Paul Giamatti meet again, and then he gets and then Clive Owen gets the gun, and Paul Giamatti's like, "I told you, you can't use that. It's not your it's not your gun. You haven't been your palm isn't imprinted into it." And then Clive Owen takes out a hand that he's chopped off puts it on the gun and shoots Paul Giamatti. Paul Giamatti doesn't die because he's wearing a bulletproof vest. And Clive Owen, who has a bunch of great one-liners in the movie, says, nothing like a good hand job. Anders, that sounds like the dumbest thing I've heard in my entire fucking life. And you just ruined the movie. Um, so it, it happens in like the first, like, and Monica Bellucci's in the film. She's a prostitute with a heart of gold who helps him like protect just, This sounds so bad. It's so <laughs> this good. It's so incredibly good. awful. And he's like, there's like a guy. prostitute with a heart of gold who's got like all the most like offensive stereotypes. Oh, like there's, a, there's a shootout during a sex scene as well. There's... Oh no. Oh, that's awful. <laughs> Talk about shooting your load. Oh, I, Jesus. I'm so depressed. I'm so depressed. There's a gunfight okay. in the air. They jump, everyone jumps out of a plane and there's a gunfight in the air. There's no explosions in this film. I will let it know. It's just all shootouts and stuff. I'm never watching this. Best um, film ever. Oh God. Okay. This right, this right here, this right here is the absolute dictionary definition of where our film tastes completely diverge. Um, right. Paul Giamatti has one great line where he's like, my God, do we suck? Or is this guy really that good? That's that's not even like funny or good in any way. That's, that's a line that wouldn't even make it into the script of Con Air, which also has some good shootouts in it. Yeah, it does. Uh, so other honorable mentions, Assault on Precinct 13, uh, based on or inspired by Rio Bravo. Well, I then noticed Rio Bravo itself has a good yeah, shootout. Basically. Uh, Desperado, directed by Robert Rodriguez. A lot of great fun shootouts in that film. Mm -hmm. uh, the Way of the Gun, uh, there's a shootout uh, towards the end of the film. Christopher McQuarrie, he directed this movie after winning the Oscar for The Usual Suspects. Uh, when the film came out, wasn't well received and he didn't direct another film until Jack Reacher. But the shootout in the film with Brian Felipe and Benicio Del Toro and a bunch of gangsters is really realistic. And uh, Kristen McCorry's brother is a Navy SEAL. So he was a technical advisor on the film. So everything is really realistic and actually pretty authentic, I shall say. And the other honorable mentions I put on the list are The Killer, directed by John Woo. Great action movie and the Indonesian film directed by a Welshman, uh, Gareth Evans, The Raid. Oh, The Raid, yeah, that's supposed to be great. I've never seen that. Um, should we, we're, we're probably like uh, running a little bit long. So should we continue with our official list? Should we put all this tangent window shut and, uh, and yeah. keep going? So 
at number five is the Coen Brothers film, is one of the Coen Brothers films I really like and is actually in my, in my in one, I think it's one of their most underrated films. And I really like this movie a lot. Miller's Crossing during the Danny Boy scene where uh, Albert Finney is defending himself. Yeah, so it's um, Albert Finney plays like a major crime boss in this movie. Uh, I love it too. I agree with you. I think it should be considered more highly when people think about the Coen Brothers. Um, He's a crime boss. There's a, a hit put out against him, and he, uh, you think, you think it's going to go a particular way, right? Because um, he's listening to um, the song "Danny Boy," which is a sort of sweet, melancholy Irish folk song. He's listening to this very kind of like sentimental version of it. He's lying in his bed, and you think like this is classic setup for like a sad death in a gangster film. You know, it's like just you know we're all going to be really sad when they inevitably kill him but no because he hears them coming he grabs his pistol and all fucking hell breaks loose and uh, it it culminates in him walking down the street smoking a cigar in his slippers um shooting shit out of the the assailant's car and i love it i love that scene it completely like in a film that's so controlled and so about like dialogue and and sort of very careful, um, carefully staged, you know, intrigue. This just, they have such fun in this moment and you do not see it coming. And it's, I, it, it, it's just tremendous. Yeah, the late, great Albert Fiddy, he was uh, one of the best. Welcome to Scotland. Actually, that's a great shootout in a Bond movie, it's Skyfall. Yeah, that's anyway. a great one. That's almost like a Western as well with them just using double barrel shotguns. I love that scene as well. And uh, just him when he's under the bed shooting and stuff like that, it's so good. And just with Danny Boy playing in the background and Tommy Guns, just, you know, gangster set film set in the 1930s. You just don't see that many of them. Right. And actually the original, we could have put in the original Scarface, the Howard Hawks movie that would have had a, that would have been a worthy, a worthy entrant or, or uh, the end of the Humphrey Bogart uh, movie, High Sierra, uh, directed by Raoul Walsh. That's a good one. I... Um, I've not seen that. Oh, that's a great movie. That's a really great film. Uh, Okay, so uh, we're climbing up the list. What's at number four? So at number four is John Woo's 1992 film, Hard Boiled, which... I have not seen this film. Adam's uh, only introduction... Well, you've only seen Mission Impossible 2 and Face Off and Broken Arrow, so you've only seen the American... All of which are shite, uh, in my opinion. Broken Arrow is a classic, I will say that. You use that word. <laughs> I do not think that word. You keep using that word. I don't think what it means what you think it means. <laughs> like, you're insane. Yeah, ain't it cool? Okay, hard-boiled. What happens in hard-boiled? So hard-boiled what, are we, who, what are we talking this is a, this He made this in, in Hong Kong? Or he made, this is one of his like best... Uh, I, I think it's one... Along with The Killer and A Better Tomorrow, I think this is... Out of the sort of Hong Kong action movies I've seen of his, that, those three are really good. But like, hard-boiled just has like this sort of operatic action and it all takes place at a hospital. And it's so good. And there's one sequence where Chow Yun-Fat and the other actor... I can't remember his name, but they're sort of... They're, it's, it's all done... Seem, from what I gather, seamlessly in one take, where they're just traveling down a hospital corridor, just shooting bad guys with shotguns, and it's all and it's all it all looks like they, it's all done in one take, and they go into elevators, and I think it's all done on a set where they kind of they go into an elevator and they flip scenes around and things like that, and then they just go out and start shooting again, and it's just it's really really well done, and just like the, the opening scene of the film is just another shootout where like 
Chow Yun Fat's character, who's like, like he's like sliding down in like a, a, a stair banister, like shooting two guns at people and stuff. I just think like the way that John Woo directs action is just so it's so brilliant. Like it's just you can't really take it seriously in any, any kind of way. I mean, I would love to see more films by Hong Kong film directors outside of John Woo's uh, films because they're they're pretty 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 damn good. Yeah. Uh, no, I'd I'd love to see this, and I think the um. I think the influence of John Woo, both good and bad, <laughs> is, uh, is 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 very obvious. And like you mentioned it earlier with the Matrix, um, so uh, no, I will add this to my to my watch list. And um, hopefully, I won't be as horrified by what I see as I was when I watched them. Um, uh, doesn't it doesn't uh, have Nicolas Cage or uh, John Travolta, which is a, that that is a, a that's a plus in my book. Yeah. Um, and Charlie yeah. Fat is a great actor. Oh my goodness! Yeah, he's he's wonderful. Um, so at number three is the Curtis Hansen film noir from nineteen ninety seven, which should have won Best Picture over Titanic. Um, L.A. Confidential. I mean, that's a big. Uh, oh, that's like combative right there. Um, I agree. Well, I mean, um, I'm not saying like not Best Picture, but maybe something like Best Director. I think just the way Curtis Hansen directed that film, and you couldn't really do a film like a period film like that set in the 1950s in LA now because the whole city has pretty much changed. So I think you would have to do most of that on like a set or something like that. I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a brilliant film. Like it, it's, it's completely, um, the, the, because you, you think about Chinatown, for example, which is this film's kind of spiritual cousin in some ways. Um, and Chinatown is, has the benefit of being able to, you know, it's only set like 30 years after the events of the movie, you know, whereas this is set like a whole 50 years after the events that it's depicting. And as you say, all the challenges are involved with cars, costuming um, guns, uh, you know, all of that stuff. And they get it so right. And they get it. They get the cast is so good. You've got like you, you've got your David Cromwell and um David uh, Cromwell, James Cromwell. James Cromwell and David Strahan and, um, you know. David and, Vito, you got yeah. Russell Crowe and Guy Pearce being introduced to American audiences. Kim Basinger yeah. won uh, Best Supporting Actress for the film. It was the only, that was the only Oscar it got, right? That and Best Adapted Screenplay for mm. Ryan Helgeland and uh, Curtis Hansen. And the book uh, was by... Um, James Elroy. They did a very good job of adapting his book because, my God, like some of his books are just like, how the hell are you going to be able to adapt this? And the only other, like the last adaptation of any of his books was The Black Dahlia, directed by Brian De Palma. And that was an absolute disaster of a film. Yeah, it's he's hard. I, I mean, and, and so I think they deserve credit for that, you know. But um, also, I will say this about James Elroy. He does seem like a guy you don't really want to hang out with. He seems quite intense. Yeah. Um, I mean, given the fact that his mother was murdered when he was a child and it still very much haunts him today. And, you know, he wrote a whole book about, about it as he was trying to, like, find her killer because they never found her murder. It's just like, oh, it's it's just so, I mean, you can't imagine what it's like to be yeah. in his I mind mean, because he's also such a, like, incredible, like, prolific and sort of almost hyperactive 
writer you know it's like it must be it must be very intense to sit down and have a have a cup of tea with him um yeah but, I mean, um, even like reading his books it's just like you it's just it's very different from like Raymond Chandler or Dashiell Hammett it's just so it's very just like gritty and ugh, like really he goes to some very dark places some of his early stuff is pretty pretty dark in any case the shootout at the end of LA Confidential is fantastic it's very good. And I think they, the build up to it is pretty nice as well. And you do have this sense of like, are they going to get out of it? So it's like, it just feels like a last stand than anything else. Like, you know, the good guys against, you know, the corrupt bad guys. Well, and, and, and the film gives you um, a warning shot, as it were, when earlier on it kills out of the blue, it kills a major character. Yeah. And so you've yeah, already, yeah, the film mentions. Sorry, the other actor who I well one of well one well, of, no, we can't mention it now because it would, because otherwise we're going to spoil yet yeah, another film. Well, then again, the fucking 1997. If you haven't seen it already, it's your own fault. Um, well, uh, that's not very nice. Um, which is very nice to our listeners. Oh, yeah, um, uh, if you haven't seen LA Confidential, I invite you to watch it and enjoy it. Um, there is also something wrong with you if you haven't seen it. Of course, you're an idiot. Um, but um, just for balance, um, choose which one, whatever one of those you want. Um, but yeah, so what? So it kills off a major character, and you're like, oh shit, this film is prepared to do anything. Uh, it's prepared to like you know completely pull the rug out from under you and. Um, yeah, so um, so 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 there is this sense of genuine peril and stakes um, at the end there, and um, uh, uh, yeah, and I, f- I find uh, I find it very um, well. It's just it's just it's suspenseful all the way through, but it's also it has that you know the the thing about a shootout is that sort of kinetic energy that you need to kind of keep the action going. It has that yeah. in spades, so it's just a it's just all round like a really well conceived and well executed um, shootout. Yeah, and the pacing of it is really well done as well. And uh, I think it was Dante Spinotti who Spinotti who did the cinematography, and it's really just gloriously well shot. And the music, Jerry Goldsmith's score on it is, is great. That almost like it has that kind of nostalgic, like early, like in that like that sort of film noir nineteen forties feel to it. Is am I wrong? But the, 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 he may have written the music for Chinatown as well, is it? He did. He did write the music. For so, uh, both of them are just, I mean, both yeah. are stunning. And, and, and they, but they don't, he's not trying to like, over, like oh, go over the top and make it sound like a film from the 1940s, but he does just enough to really evoke the period. It's just, yeah. yeah. And, and obviously the music in the, in the shootout scene is done really well as well. Often, yeah. that's often it's the case. Very, with it. It's from what I remember, it's, I haven't seen it uh, for, for about a year now, but it's very, minimalistic the music and the shootout and i think that's pretty good because i think it keeps up that heightened sense of realism and feeling immersed in the film and sort of the emotional connection that you have with the characters yeah i mean we've spoken a lot about music as we go through this list i mean it's like you've got kind of two choices with the music in a shootout you either have no music or you have like the kind of music that really like accompanies truly the it's not background music it's almost a character in the yeah. shootout like the music in like the, a, in it's the matrix subtly, it's subtly there you don't really notice it or you don't really hear out for well, no i would say actually you do notice it like i think you i don't think it i think the music in the shootout needs to be a character like it need it needs to be doing something like the as i say like the classic example is the spaghetti western or in uh like in the film we keep coming back to in this fucking conversation the matrix or um you know whatever it is like that that, that it's like an act participant like just having some like 
dun, 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 uh, in the background isn't good enough but you know um uh, that's a different uh, conversation but um let's move on to our top two shall we yeah number two which i actually think is uh, number two is one of my favorite movies of all time yes my top five in my top five and uh, it is sam peckinpah's great uh post uh, revisionist western the wild bunch Yes, I uh, watched this just the other day, actually. Um, it's a, it's one of my favourite films as well. Um, your top five is very large, by the way. If I took every film that you've said was in your top five in the history of this podcast and put them in the list, it would number like 100 films. But anyway, um, this I is... Like so much and it's hard to like, I think, just... I know. Yeah. You're, you can have an elastic top five. It's fine. <laughs> it's just okay. You should do... You should release a book one day, Anders' top five films, and it should be like two inches thick. We <laughs> were like, what? <laughs> anyway... Hey. Um, wow, he goes into detail on five films. Like, oh no, he doesn't. No, oh, no, 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 no. There are five thousand films. No, yeah. So the Wild Bunch. Um, there, there are there are two major shootouts in the Wild Bunch. One at the beginning, one at the end. Both of which are, um, kind of, kind of. They both reset again. Like we talked about um, with a lot of these films, they completely reset the expectations that you have for gun play or gun violence in movies. Yeah, and also just like it, it, this is very different from like a way a, a gunfight would be directed in a John Ford movie because there's a lot of slow motion, there's a lot of blood, then you know it's just a lot of and the, and the editing, the sort of fast paced like crossfire editing where you get yeah. um, two things happening at once. He really understands how how the brain is able to process images, and so he gives you this like. Um, he'll show you two things happening at the same time, but he'll cut between them. But that's like you know that's unheard of in. Uh, in cinema, really, in American cinema up to that point. Um, Very inspired and, um, by French New Wave editing, I think, in the way that they yeah. uh, the way that they edit their movies. And also, I think the editing style in Bonnie and Clyde and also The Wild Bunch, both of them are very similar. They both have similar kind of styles. Like, they have this- Yeah, Arthur Penn and Peckinbar have, have some great crossover, but, um, and it'd be interesting to see if there's any, like, similarity in who, who did the editing on those movies, but, um, yeah, just the wild bunch. I mean, the, I guess the big one, the big shootout is the end. And I think a lot of people have looked at Peckinpah down the years and said, oh, he's just a, you know, he's, he's, he's blood and guts. It's all about violence. And it's like, that's not understanding. That's completely getting Peckinpah wrong. Like the, the whole movie is about these aging men who don't know how to live in the world and who just like over over the course of the film, they reach their sort of moral breaking point and they decide that enough is enough. And they go into battle against hundreds of um, Mexican soldiers. And uh, it is one of the great uh, sequences in, in the history of Westerns. It's also just like profoundly violent um, and shocking. And uh, a lot of explosions as well. <clears throat> yeah, it's like, it's completely insane. If, if, if you're like, if this is, you know, if this is the first, uh, if, you, if you've only been watching, as you say, John Ford movies or, or Howard, you know, from watching, go from Rio Bravo to watching this. I mean, it's completely like, uh, you know, it's, it's just astonishing. And I think um, the, um, the audiences at the time were you know, pretty taken aback by it. And um, I know that like Western traditionalists like John Wayne or whatever were not impressed. And um, and so I think it divided opinion, and I think it still does. And so, um, you know, say what you like about um, 
whether my take on the sort of morality of the film is the correct one or not, um, which, by the way, it is. Uh, it's uh, just in case there's any doubt about that. Um, you know, it is completely a, a, a departure, and it's a new, um, a new way of doing action. And Peckinpah deserves great credit for that. So, I mean, and and, and then you just the cast. Can you imagine a shootout with four like four more iconic grizzled? Western character actors than William Holden, Ernest Borgnine, Ben Johnson, and Warren Motherfucking Oates. Like yeah, that you, right you, there. Like, in that in that time period, you could just throw, throw a rock at a tree, and like any one of those kind of actors would fall out. You were like really spoiled for choice in, in that sort of time, and you just had just rocks at a tree. What? What? Are you, what? Why are they in a tree? I don't know. It's just like throw a rock at it and see who. You... Why? Is, oh, it's Warren Oates and Lee Marvin and all these people hiding in a tree. <laughs> there are a lot okay there are a lot in that era there are a lot of aging grizzled character actors i agree with that but still that is a pretty iconic foursome yeah and the film the shootout was shot over 12 days that's yeah. pretty that's pretty like amazing that they were able to do that and also just the, like it's is that, what is that? So, I, as someone who doesn't know like film is that long or short that must be long right i mean depending on like how much i mean also because you're shooting with celluloid i mean i don't know how much it's like how much that they were shooting they probably had to like cut so much of it like i don't know maybe he like shot so long sequences of shots and then maybe given how it's edited a lot of that is cut out so it's very sort of hyperkinetic you know, crazy atmosphere where, you know, you're not really quite sure what's going on. So I think that's probably why I maybe just, or just trying to figure out like how to, sh like what they, like, just making sure like all your angles are covered because you have, you have the four guys, you have the Mexican army and all these other bunch of like small, you know, extras who, you know, get involved in the scene. Um, so I guess it's just like, it, I think he was just, maybe he was just mad and drunk and just trying to shoot this whole thing and just kind of... I mean, I think all those things are probably true, but, but yeah, I mean, sorry, that was a really stupid question I asked. Of course, 12 days is a very long time to film one scene. Um, but also, it's just like, there's so much going on in that scene. And also, because like, I mean, these days, you could probably shoot that in about less or, you know... In about less. Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be about less. <laughs> you can shoot that in less. You can shoot it in less than twelve days, basically. I don't know. I mean, just because yeah, most. I mean, people, one would, one a lot of people don't really shoot practically anymore, and most of it's done on a computer. Isn't it interesting, by the way, that um, we're talking about shootouts, we're talking about movies, and we also talk about like the word when we say we're shooting a film. We're, we're like you know that the the camera is a gun that's yeah. weird isn't it that that that's the word that did you see that shot what a beautiful shot mm. um like this idea that that like the, the camera is some kind of a weapon that's just interesting that that's the word we use in english i don't think that happens in other languages does it i don't i mean i wouldn't say in in german or french you wouldn't say we shot a film uh, um <laughs> filmed it you know made yeah, it i mean we sometimes use like we don't really even in like on some sets I and mean, we don't really use the word shot it's like you know different words of like what happens and oh sometimes i've asked like in danish like what happens in this shot and like how what it's the you know what's the sort of what, what's happening and stuff because mainly i need to know what happens because i'm a sound guy and i don't want to get caught in the frame and you stuff. are a sound guy um yeah, interesting uh, little piece of uh, linguistic um, 
whatever there. But uh, okay, we are at the end of our list and yeah, probably at so, the end of our listeners' patience here at this point. Um, so what's, uh, what's number one? So number one is the, was it released in 1969? Yes, this film also came out in 1969. Same year as The Wild Bunch. Yes. And that is the great film starring Robert Redford, Paul Newman, directed by George Roy Hill and written by William Goldman, who wrote the classic The Princess Bride and a bunch of other movies. And cinematography by Conrad Hall, don't forget that. Yes, Conrad Hall, who Roger Deakins talks a lot about on his podcast. Um, who's also, Conrad Hall was a great cinematographer. Um, yes. The movie is, of course, the great classic Western Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. And it's really interesting that this comes out the same year as The Wild Bunch because the name of Butch Cassidy's gang was actually The Wild Bunch. So they yeah. had to change that for this film. And I think there's a lot of... Hole in the Wall a, Gang. Yeah, then the Hole in the Wall Gang and stuff. They, um, they had, I think a lot of... Both films had a lot of concerns that there was going to be like, you know, they were going to steal attention from one another. But they needn't have worried because both films are deservedly really, really famous. And, um, yeah. and I, they are both in my top... Five. <laughs> no, I, they're both in my. They're both two of my yeah, absolute top five. <laughs> yeah, my top five, which is actually five hundred films long. Um, both of these films are very much dear to my heart, and yeah. it's hard to choose. It's hard to choose a shootout. You know, they're both. They're kind of both number one in some ways, but this the way in which there's humor in the shootout. There's so much humor, and there's so much. There's 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 such like pathos in it, and sad, true sadness at the end. Yeah. Um, and also just it's just great it's just like really well choreographed and well organized and 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 sort of um and and you sort of know where everything is like the geography of it is really yeah uh, coherent. I mean, geography in action films is really good I mean I watched Zulu the other day which yeah. we did talk about in this podcast many years ago with our good friend Bob and that whole film is so good on geography because you really set up this whole location so you know where everyone is and I think that's sort of key in action films. You really need to like set the location. You know where everything is, so it's easy to follow. Because other and other times, I mean, if you watch some modern action films today, because they cut so much, it's just kind of disorienting. It's disorienting. Did I say that right? Disorienting. Disorientating. The word has lost all meaning. I'm not even sure. Disorientating. It's disorientating. And disorientating. What? This is disorientating. It's it's uh, hard. Can't you just say confusing? It's confusing. It's confusing. Confusicating. But, it's confusicating. What? It's confusicating. It's confusicating. Yes, but no. In this scene, it's just it's just really well done, and also I love the screenplay. I love the back and forth between Red Redford and Newman. It's like, don't you get tired of being right all the time? The, the, there's so many iconic quips. The other thing that's great about this, and look, okay, fine. If you if this is being spoiled for you then you truly are an absolute Muppet. Go If you haven't seen Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid, you are living under a stone. What are you doing listening to this podcast? Anyway. We should probably the, have said spoiler alert at the beginning of the episode. <laughs> uh, well, you definitely should have done. But no, I I can record I, one and then edit it in at the beginning. No, no, let's let's have it. Let's let's ruin it for some people. Let's fuck it. Let's lean into it. No, I, I've, de I've definitely been as guilty as you on this uh, podcast. Anyway, um the 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 way of course they die you know they, they're yeah. gonna die at the end of the shootout the whole point of the film like the wild bunch is these people cannot live in the world whoa 
Yeah, sorry, there was an ambulance uh, driving past. Your lighting got very exciting there for a second. Um, the, these people can't live in the world, and so they, 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 you know, sort of go inexorably towards their doom. And um, you know, the, 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 that's the, the melancholy that's suffused through the last kind of act of the movie is so powerful. And then, you know, what's truly fantastic is that it finds a way out that makes leaves the audience feeling good. Like it doesn't leave you feeling bummed. And that yeah. way out is to have them charge out of their little hiding place. And then the, as you, the, the famous freeze frame, you know, and that's just like, the, and it's like, of course, but in retrospect, that's the right way to end it. But how on earth, like, I just love that they came up with that. And that, that's why, one of the things that's great about the whole film is there's just such a sense of like intelligence and creativity and, and just like storytelling in the way that the acting is done, in the way the script is written, in the cinematography and everything that we mentioned, you know. And that's obviously part of the reason why, you know, the film is good is because everyone involved was just really fucking talented, you know. Like, yeah. So, but also, for that, and that, also is great as well. That's true, Catherine Ross. There's there's tons of great uh, character actors in there, uh, including Strother Martin, who's also in the Wild Bunch. Um, morons! I have morons on my team. Yeah, um, and uh, yeah, so it's a it's it's a it's a tour de force. The the shootout is just the, the tip of the iceberg. The whole film is amazing. Uh, go back and watch it if you haven't seen it already. What the fuck is wrong with you? And um, yeah, yeah, I think it's a worthy. I think it's a worthy number one. Yeah, I did when I was younger. I used to actually think this movie was boring. And then I got a little bit smarter and I actually really like this movie a lot. I don't think you ever did get smarter. But anyway, uh, you just got taller. Uh, um, much, much taller. <laughs> you mean, bro. Yeah. Um, I think this, yeah, you were probably watching this when you were like six. I think a six-year-old well, yeah, would. I think, I don't know. I, think, I, I, I don't I, think this is, yeah, this is not going to like grab a child, but um, yeah. Well, it's just like, because I feel like it's such a like, it, it, it has a lot lot more things on its mind and it's not such a romantic sort of movie because I, I was sort of used to John Wayne's style of Westerns. And um, I think this was like one of the first times where I watched something which wasn't this kind of romanticized look at the West and, that sort of pro thing that John Wayne had about him. So yeah, I think it took me a while to sort of get used to this movie and then having to see it in one go. And yeah, it's a really, really good film. And just, I love all the dialogue. It's just like, when we say we want to go to a place like Bolivia, let's go to a place like Bolivia. Yeah, uh, the, um, the, the, the brilliant bit where they're stuck on a ledge. And um... it was like, how many of them are following us? All of them, all of them? What's up with those guys? Yeah, that's great. But the bit where they're stuck on the ledge and um, and Robert Redford, they, they, they say, oh, we're going to, Paul Newman says, we're going to jump down into the river. And Robert Redford says he can't swim. And then Paul Newman just says, don't worry, the fall will probably kill you. <laughs> it's just so, it's just so great. Um, anyway, look, we can't quote the whole film. We don't have enough time and our listeners have places to go and things to do, God knows. Um, so should we just quickly run through the top 10 again? Yeah, let's run through the top 10. So top 10, uh, number 10, Chisholm. Number nine, Witness. <laughs> I really uh, think this Chisholm thing is going to haunt us, but anyway, okay. Chub uh, Ch Chisholm, Witness, yep. Uh, number eight, Wind River. Number seven, The Matrix. Uh, mm -hmm. Number six, Open Range. Number five, Miller's Crossing. Number four, Hard Boiled. 
Number three, LA Confidential. Number two, The Wild Bunch. And number one, Book Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. And also, uh, thanks again to Trope Stormers Podcast. You can follow them at, at Trope Stormers. And also to Peter, uh, Peter Orbexon, who you can follow at Lou Hornell. Uh, he, uh, yeah, he gave us a great gift giving us that other top 10, so he deserves a big thank you. Yeah, and, um, do, do, and people do follow him because he does post a lot of stuff in regards to like sound and film and stuff. He's put, very, him in the, very, put him in the show notes. Yeah, I will. Um, and uh, yeah, people should keep getting in touch about other top 10s that we can do. My friend Alexi actually texted me uh, the other day and suggested we do top 10 superhero films, which I know you would like. Um, but I haven't seen, I don't think I've seen that many. So you might need to find like an alternative guest to do that with. <laughs> I, I've seen, I know I like The Dark Knight. And then I think I've seen like, it's like Batman and Robin, <laughs> you know, like I don't know. I've seen the first Spider-Man movie with Tobey Maguire and... Yeah. Well, you've seen Blade 2, the Blade movies. Those are superheroes. Is Blade a superhero, though? Blade is a superhero. Well, he's, he's, wait, is he? Kind of. We don't have time for this debate. Um, the, 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 the other thing that Alexi suggested was top 10 sports movies. Um, oh, yeah. Which, again, I have to confess, like I probably need to do some homework on that one because um, I haven't... Well, I mean, there are a couple that I've seen that I love. Uh, and I see a couple of documentaries, but we, we're not counting those. Um, but uh, yeah, so anyway, those are good suggestions. And other people should come in with their suggestions. And how can they do that, Anders? Uh, you can follow us at, at Holmes Movies Pod. And you can also send us an email at homesmoviespodcast at gmail.com. Which no one has yet done. Well, I haven't checked it in a while, so maybe they have. But oh I'll, my god, you haven't checked it? There could be loads of material in there, you fool. I'll check it out. And um, yeah, you can follow me at, at Fabricius91. Wouldn't it be amazing if you opened it and it was like, I'm Christopher McQuarrie and here are my top 10 shootouts. <laughs> oh, that would be amazing. Yeah, again, like, you, he's one people, like, he's just, he's, like, I love what following people who have great taste in films. It's just great because you just, like, see people, like, posting, saying, like, hey, watch this movie and things like that. And, like, Peter just does that, too. And also just posting about the films that he's worked on and and just, like, he's had a few that come out this year and some of them look really good. Yes. Um, no, it's uh, film Twitter is actually one of the few areas of Twitter that's really worth spending time in. So, um, yeah, it's always don't, nice when you... Don't, don't spend time with the Zack Snyder release, the Snyder Cut. Snyderverse. No, no, no. no what, I, I don't. Anyway, you, you, I actually didn't know what that was. Just, just, you just, had to, you had to explain that to me, um, because I didn't understand it. But yeah, there, there's a lot of, there's a lot of good stuff. Um, but yeah, we're on Twitter. You can follow us. You can suggest things, and also you should remember that our list is bullshit, just as your list is bullshit, and Peter's list is good as it was is bullshit. All lists are bullshit, and um, uh, but they're fun, aren't they? And yeah. we had fun talking about shootouts. Yes, we did, and. I'm very, I really want to watch The Matrix again now. Oh my God. Yes. And the sequels. Um, oh, shall we go? Yes, we shall. Uh, do, uh, sorry, I was just about to repeat the whole, <laughs> do check us out but again. Um, yeah. Thank you very much for listening. Uh, should we say what our next top 10 is going to be? We don't know yet. Oh. Well, this part's useless. Okay. Yeah. Um, <laughs> unless, unless I missed a meeting. <laughs> <laughs> well, I thought we did that at the end of the Danish one. Yeah, but you know that you know when they do that thing at the end of Bond movies, where like James Bond will return in Diamonds Are Forever, and actually it's like Octopussy or something. It's you no, know, they, they they don't always get it right, and we don't always get it right. But uh, yeah, well, should we just let's leave people in suspense? Yes, we shall. 
Well, and ourselves. Yeah, well, that's not giving a hint of what, you know, top 10 suspense scenes or anything. No, 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 we genuinely don't know what our next top 10 is. We need to have a meeting about this. Um, we, have a good, we have a good list. Of I good think probably it should be less violent. I feel like I'm quite, like, shaken just thinking about the body count of this podcast. <laughs> yeah, that's true. But anyway, uh, thank you very much for listening. I've been Anders Holmes. <laughs> I've been Adam. <laughs> <laughs> just like... <laughs> yeah. Um, um, goodbye. Goodbye and have When you have to shoot, shoot, don't talk.